This is MuggleCast, Episode 9, for October 2nd, 2005. If you haven't finished reading Book 6 yet, then you probably do not want to listen to this podcast, as we do talk about several different spoilers. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of MuggleCast. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Ben Shane. I'm Kevin Steck. I'm Eric Skull. And I'm Laura Thompson. Ben and Kevin are both back from a break. Welcome back, guys. Laura and Eric are both on again for another exciting episode. Andrew, do you ever get a break? Else? No, I never get a break. Isn't that isn't that funny? Because <laughs> he has to edit this even funny. if he's not there. He has it's to edit. true. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm I'm happy to do it. And you're getting experience. And I'm getting experience. Put it on your resume. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone want to give me a job? <laughs> Call me. I First, let's go to Micah to get you. Hey. I'm introing Micah. You can't mess with me while I'm introing Micah. Micah. <laughs> Micah. Uh. Okay. Micah, please take it before I start crying. Thanks, Andrew. Sites from both the world and U.S. premiere of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire have been confirmed. The world premiere will be at the Odeon Leicester Square in London, England on November 6th. The U.S. premiere will take place on November 12th at the Ziegfeld Theater in New York City, located at 141 West 54th Street not Radio City Music Hall. A special podcast will follow at the Barnes & Noble on 66 and Broadway. Listen to our special announcement podcast for more information. Brand new interviews with Dan Radcliffe, Matthew Lewis, and Katie Lung have been posted on MuggleNet's main page. There are also tons of new pictures from the film and even scans from the Goblet of Fire calendar. And a grave error has finally been fixed. After tons of loyal fans hounding Warner Brothers, the gravestone, which displayed incorrect information regarding Tom Riddle's ancestors, has finally been corrected. Wrapping up news on Goblet of Fire, HBO will air a first look at the fourth Harry Potter film. They have previously aired first looks at Sorcerer's Stone, Chamber of Secrets, and Prisoner of Azkaban. It will premiere at 9.45 Eastern Standard Time, run 13 minutes, and will repeat several times throughout November. Or, if you have any of the 5,000 HBO stations, it will air several hundred times throughout the month. As if there weren't enough movie news, casting has begun for Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Think you've got what it takes to play Luna Lovegood? Head over to MuggleNet for all the specifics. And according to the Daily Mail, Imelda Staunton has supposedly been cast as Professor Dolores Umbridge. In other news, on Tuesday, Arthur Levine, editor of Scholastic, went to Silliman College Master's Tea to talk about the Harry Potter series. He discussed his relationship with Joe and how he knows it won't end following the publication of Book 7. And congratulations are in order. The second annual Movies.com Movie Site Awards gave MuggleNet its second win under Best Movie Fan Site, as chosen by our visitors. Thanks to everyone who voted. That's all the news from our new center in New York for this October 2nd, 2005 edition of MuggleCast. Back to you guys. Holy moly, that was a lot of news. Uh, Eric, I think you had something to say about Micah's yeah, hard work? Yeah, Micah's, Micah's putting in some overtime there with that, that news. But um, no, what I wanted to say is every Sunday when we release the show, it's always, it's always fun to see, but it's not fun at the same time. Uh, the first comments on the main page uh, consist of, Hey, it's up, and hey, it's up, I can't wait for the transcript. And I just wanted to say that um, we we appreciate your uh, anxiety and, and your anxious uh, for the transcript, but we do have a rule on the transcripts. Isn't that right, Andrew? Yeah, that is right. And it's that we do not put the transcripts up for a minimum of three days after the release. 
because we don't want you guys being tur turning really, uh, really becoming reliant on, on these uh, transcripts. Correct. And so give yeah. it three days. You can all listen to it. There's no excuse. It is for a podcast, right? So yeah. we yeah. appreciate. It. I mean, because Micah does do the transcripts rather fast, but um, he it's just, he gets them done very fast. He gets like, them done in like um, a day, a day and a half. And before we started this rule, he would come to me four hours later and say, "Hey, the transcripts done." And I'd be like, "Whoa, <laughs> yeah." So yeah, so. please, people, like it's you're like fourth to post. Yeah, I can't wait for the transcript, and you know you'll be waiting a while. So it wouldn't do good. That didn't wouldn't do good to uh, keep on going and saying that. So anyway, right. All right, moving on, just a quick, a couple of quick announcements. First of all, an update on our live podcast in New York City. If you want the full details, listen to the special announcement uh, podcast that me and Melissa of TLC did. Um, but just real quick, um, to those, there's been some confusion. Uh, for those of you who have RSVP'd via our email address, hplive at gmail.com, that doesn't guarantee you a seat at the show, okay? Um, it's a first-come, first-served basis. So, just because you send me an email and say, hey, I'm coming, and you say, a lot of people have been saying, please reserve three seats for me. That doesn't mean you're reserved. So, we'll give you an exact time, and we'll let you know when to come, a good time to come to get in early, and make sure you get a seat. Um, there's going to be a couple, there's going to be a couple hundred seats, but there's going to be standing room, and our podcast, we're going to be going out to the entire four-story building. Yeah, we're only going to, um, like, buy, we're only going to buy, like, 100 name tags, so... <laughs> and if you can't be there, and if you can't be there, it's going to be online afterwards. So, right. And yeah. also, we're working on having a video version. A uh, uh, TV high school crew actually emailed us and cool. said they'd be interested in doing it. Sweet. So, I'm on yeah. TV. So I'm, I'm hoping they can. I'd like a video version. Yeah, we're not going to have sure people see me. We're probably going to have to rotate people too because we can only fit like what? What was it? Twelve right. mics. Well, it's it's going to be seven on the panel. Yeah. And we're going to be rotating people in and out. So sites yeah, when so when somebody's not on the podcast, the other person can talk to the, throw themselves to the fans, you know. Yeah, we'll Andre. work out the format later. Nothing set in stone right yeah. now. Anyway, uh, Andrew, do you want to do your listener challenge update, or should I do my contest update? No, first let's have you do your contest update. Okay. Um, currently we have about thirteen thousand votes for our contest, uh, finalists, and that is pretty darn good. Um, everything is still up in the air for now. Uh, the contest ca is still open for another week. You can still vote on the top 25, um, and then at, the, at which time the top three, at the end of next week, uh, slash the release of next episode, we will put up a the winners um, and in the order. So, But also, uh, this night, at, at the release of this cast, we will put up a list of about 50 others, uh, 50 other kind of semifinalists that uh, aren't votable but it's a list of other ones that we thought were funny that weren't in the top 25. Uh, now I think it's time to move on to the voicemails. Now listen, we don't have a main topic this week. What, Eric? I mean, Ben. You skipped the American oh, oh. Joker of the day. Oh, yeah. You all can't right. do that. We can't get... Oh, come on. All right, all right. Since, so since, so yeah. since Jamie is away this week... Um, unfortunately, he's, he's very busy getting ready for Exams? going back to... Ex right, exams precisely. <laughs> uh, okay, so in s substitution of Jamie's British joke of the day, we're gonna have Ben's American joke of the day, which everybody wants to ben. hear because Ben is simply not a funny guy at all. So this, I'm really looking forward to this. <laughs> okay, okay, you guys ready for this? I'm, okay. I'm ready for this. Yeah, there's actually, there's actually just two of them really. 
Okay, the guy goes into a restaurant. He's he's a really heavy coffee drinker, and he sits down at the table. And the waiter comes up, and he says, "I'd like a cup of coffee." Have it all black. And the waiter brings back his cup of coffee. He takes one sip of it, and yells after the waiter and says, "Hey, waiter, this coffee tastes like mud." And the waiter says, "Yes, yeah, sir. It's fresh ground." <laughs> Uh, <laughs> dude, that's not funny. If he was a coffee drinker, then he would. Dude, Ben, if he were a coffee uh, drinker, he would go to Starbucks, not a restaurant. Okay, that's a good it point. It is a good point. <laughs> and you can't say there wasn't a Starbucks in the area, unless there he wasn't. Next there to wasn't. You wasn't. In it was like oh, my town. There isn't a Starbucks <laughs> in my town. <laughs> next. Okay, the next one. Two peanuts were walking down a spooky road at night. And unfortunately, one was assaulted. Uh, <laughs> I heard that one. Okay, thanks, Ben. Uh, so, guess what, guys? We have a special theme this week. It is all voicemails. We don't really have a main topic because besides the six billion new pictures that came out over the past week, we really have um, – there's no big stories we want to discuss. However – we have been getting lots of voicemails, so we're going to get to... Pl- lots of non-book yeah, six <laughs> voicemails, too, which was very nice. Yeah, you've fulfilled our Excellent. request, which is great. So let's get to those right now. Hey, guys, this is Randy from Cincinnati, and I had a question about Al Post. If all you have to do to send a letter to someone is telling Al who to deliver it to, then why didn't the ministry, in its search for Sirius, just give an Al a letter for him, then send a pack of R's on brooms to follow it? Thanks. Well, what I think personally is like we've heard Hermione say several times that we can make objects unplottable, we can make people unplottable, so they wouldn't really show up on a map, and I doubt an owl would be able to find them at all, too. So, from what, from what I've been able to discern from reading the books, it seems to me that um, it seems to me that it makes sense that they're unplottable. Can't find them. I think that it's we've seen how like um the flu network can be interrupted and can be intercepted and I believe some point in the books it said that it would be very hard to intercept an owl. I think that an owl is probably a more secure method of uh communication and I think that they have a probably magical uh protection uh so that wizards and things can't intercept them. I think they have a special way to sense that, um, you know, where a person is, and I, I think that they're probably more secure than things like the flu network um, as far as finding people, so I don't think anybody would be able to track an owl down um, to figure out where, where it's going. Um, but as far as how it gets to people, I think that's just something it has built in, maybe. Right. I think uh, I think those are some pretty good points. I also think it's... Uh... We know how powerful Sirius is just because he was able to become an Animagus at such a young age. So I think along with the previously mentioned points that uh, he he would definitely have thought of something like that when he broke out of basketball. Yeah, it's funny because even though Sirius seems to disregard most security, he's always been really good when he needed to be as far as avoiding exactly. things. Even Umbridge. So that's good. Yeah. Anybody else? No, I agree with all the points. Definitely. Cool. Kevin, you're awesome. <laughs> you agree with us. It, you, you agree I have with an us. easy like answer. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could get a real explanation, though, as to uh, how the owls uh, track down the wizards or witches that they're after. I, I, JK I mean, Rowling, I know you're listening to this. Please answer this on your yeah, website. Yeah, she listens. <laughs> I wish. Come on, Joe. 
I'm calling you out. Let's Joe. go. <laughs> I I do want to say that I think it's one of those things that uh we won't see answered until after book seven is released. Right. Like if she were to write a follow up. Exactly, book or for like charity. I think it's one of those um small little um tidbits that she won't exactly. Yeah. I'd like to know. I'd have fun I'd have I would have fun finding <laughs> Alright. Okay, next uh, voicemail. N- next voicemail. Hi, I'm Hermione Asia from Malaysia. I'm 14 and I like to say I really like Mugglecast and I hope you get into the new premiere with the podcast. Just wanted to ask whether you guys are happy about the actors and actresses in the movie, especially Dan, Emma and Rupert. Keep up the great job. Thanks. Well, one of the cool things I think is that I, I wanted to bring this up a few podcasts back. I think it, it was actually the first one when Ben uh, Ben asked me what I thought about uh, bringing things in the books to life. And I think one of the things about movies is that they really have the power to create uh, imagery for us. You know, like we're going to be introduced to the pensive scene and all sorts of stuff in Goblet of Fire. And movies can really create, um, you know, you know, vision and, and visuals and things. So... Along with that, and it didn't just teach us how to say Hermione properly, uh, but the movies did a lot for us as far as casting, and because I came into the fandom with the first movie, my characters has, have always been, you know, skewed in my mind towards the movie characters, like, you know, Alan Rickman, Snape, and things, and so the trio is pretty close um, to what I, I imagine when I read the books as a result of that, but I wanted to say I don't think I could think of anybody else being in the in the movies, you know, in the as the trio, you know, it'd just be weird, because um, the movies kind of established the, those three as them, and they went off the books, so it's it's close, and I I don't think that I can see anybody else doing that. I remember uh, Chris Columbus, who was the director for movies one and two, wanted to have Haley Joe Osmond be Harry Potter. And Joe said, uh, well, no, because he's an American actor, and I only want British actors in the movies. And I'm really glad that's what happened, and J.K. Rowling didn't let uh, Chris Columbus get in the way of that, because Haley Joe Osmond would have been a terrible Especially Harry Potter. Especially looking at him he's now. He's too... I mean, well, I think yeah. that. Well, I think he's that, got blonde it, hair. Well, <laughs> that kind of, that kind of remains to be No, I I support J.K.'s decision on the basis that he wasn't British. Like even now, when they're casting things, all these all these kids in America and all these Americans want to want to be extras and stuff, and it's just not practical. I like how they've kept a British cast, even for the the teachers too. So, I I mean, I I'm not going to comment on Haley Joel's uh, acting. Because you know, I, I liked I liked some of his movies, but I'm just going to say that I I support J.K.'s decision on the basis that he was American. He is 15, though, so the the age so the age difference wouldn't be as big of a deal. Well, well, what do you think about the possibility that the actors will be rotated out? Do you think it's plausible? I would really yeah. prefer that they didn't. Say, Switch say with them, yeah. Oh, that would be such a bad. Yeah, move. but they've been talking first about all, since you the have first these... movie. So, yeah, but you know, you can't disregard the yeah. possibility. You have these fan bases built up; these huge fan bases. Dan Radcliffe, even just websites for that matter. I've... Imagine what would happen if they said, "Hey, we're replacing Dan Radcliffe with, yeah. say, Haley Joe Osment because Harry because well, Dan will do it if they ask him to." But because we're right. tired of Harry, he or Dan, we he doesn't he's fit too old. the he's, character anymore. Yeah. He's too old. He's 
He his eyes are changing colors. His voice is too deep. <laughs> something stupid like that. Um, no, one of the things is about yeah about Dan getting older and the trio getting older and stuff. I don't think that matters. I've always liked the idea of older actors playing younger people because it gives a sense of maturity and you know age like development. Like even though Dan is what sixteen portraying a fourteen year old, that's fine because I think it really says something that a fourteen year old can be as mature. It opens up the possibility that that they can be as mature and be as smart as an older somebody older than them, which I've always supported that concept. Right, and I mean none of the none of the main actors are exactly as I imagine the characters in the books, but I think that they've all really grown into the parts, especially Emma Watson. Even though she really doesn't look at all like my version of Hermione, I think she has really improved her acting skills. I think that. She's doing a really, really good job. And when you look at the uh, original, the first movie compared to like the third one, their acting is ten times better. You know, so yes, you would hope that yeah, the it only would continue thing, to improve. The only thing I want to see from Hermione now, from Emma, better, is still let her know? do it. Now, some of the stuff hasn't been. I mean, for a while she wasn't even Chamber of Secrets for that much. But one thing I would like, we've seen the emotional side of Hermione. I'd like to see more of the book smart Hermione in a way, because because she's more. Emotional, and she's more, she more exists to kind of bind uh, the Ron character and the Harry ca- character together in the movies. I think she really needs. I think we need more book smarts and less. Uh, is that really what my hair looks like from behind? No, I I actually like the line. I don't know. As for Goblet of, I liked it. It was cute. It was funny, and it was Emma, so I liked it. But at the same time, I'd like I to see a more book smart, a more book smart Hermione in the books. And that's not Emma's fault. I mean, you know, it, it's a lot of things. But I think definitely in. And it's kind of funny because she has to be more emotional in the books now or in the future movies because she has to say in book five that, you know, you're yelling at a Harry stop. But I really want to see some book smarts, Emma, because that's, I think, what we need out of her. Hi, MuggleCast. This is Jamie in California. I just have to say I love your show and I listen to you guys on my MP3 player when I vacuum. Um, and Jamie, I have to say I love your British jokes. Okay. It has always been made clear that Snape dislikes Neville. Maybe even more that he dislikes Harry. Do you think that there is a reason for this? Since Snape did hear the first part of the prophecy, which could have indicated Neville instead of Harry. What are your thoughts? Thanks. I think it's because uh, Snape, we found out that he is a fairly powerful wizard in book um, six. So we know that he has quite a bit of talent and he looks on Neville as sort of the opposite of what he is. He's the person without talent. Right. Yes, he has talent in um, maybe one yeah. section so of herbology, but yeah. everything else he stinks at. And I think... I think so. Yeah, he, I think he uh, alienates Neville because of that. He thinks he's just a, uh, you know, <laughs> spot on the apple of the wizarding world, I think that's really cool, Kevin. That's really good, world, I, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> that's a really good idea. I wasn't looking at it as far... Yeah, I wasn't looking at it as, like... Because of the prophecy, he doesn't like him. Like I think it's kind of a possibility, but at the same time, what Kevin was saying, I, I like that a lot better. Also, um, now Snape does know, or I'm pretty sure he knows that it was you know Bellatrix and all them who went and tortured uh, Neville's family. So we really can't blame him for being st- you know incapable or incompetent. Um, but at the same time, I was rereading uh, the first book, which is why I quoted it last week. Um, but also, if you remember, the first lesson with Snape. He says uh, that, you know, it'll be an okay class if you aren't 
the the same amount of like dunderheads I usually have to teach or something. And then it said Hermione was trying to prove she wasn't a dunderhead. But so he really has his content, as Kevin said, for people who can't perform as well as he is. And he's a half-blood prince. He invented his own spells and stuff. So I think that really brings more insight into why he doesn't tolerate people that are less than him. And before book six, he he seemed... Yeah. He didn't seem like he was all that special. But now He's that you look at him from a book six perspective, you special. see and that I he think obviously very has talent. Interesting, especially in what, it, uh, what we can kind of concur about him... Uh, jealous of James Potter because in many ways I think it might not have been at Quidditch but we're seeing that James and Snape were probably probably you know evenly matched as far as magical power if Snape wasn't more and I think it's interesting that James really you know treated Snape badly because if it weren't for uh, James's prejudices and if it weren't for the Marauders prejudices they would have had a really good friend on their hands um, so that really, I, I like yeah, what we're definitely. seeing of Snape. Except he killed Dumbledore, but, you know. Good points. Uh, we gotta keep this moving because we got a lot of voicemails. We do. Because so, <laughs> after all, voice this cast. is our voicemail-themed yes. show. Someone could almost call it a voice-a-thon. Hey guys, I'm Trevor, and here's my question. I just finished reading Goblet of Fire again, and at the end, when Vo- Harry's fighting Voldemort, Voldemort's spells start coming out in reverse order. Except his dad comes out, and then his mom, but supposedly his dad died first, and then his mom, so his mom should have come out first. Do you think this might have a meaning later in the book, or was it just a mistake? Thanks. Okay, well, uh, great question, but actually this has already been answered, uh, thanks to Kevin and Ben and, well, everyone else except me for pointing it out. It was actually answered on J.K. Rowling's official site under her FAQ, FAQ section. I'll just read it right now. Lily first, then James. That's how it appears in my original manuscript, but we were under enormous pressure to edit it very fast, and my American editor thought that was the wrong way around, and he is so good at catching small errors, I changed it without thinking, then realized it had been in the, had been right in the first place. We were all very sleep-deprived at the time, so it was actually a book mistake, and it's nothing more. There's no theories related to it. Yeah, that's what Jay that that's what Joe says. So in reality, it was that like Voldemort killed yeah. James and then made a horcrux out of him and stuff, but it's all an enormous cover up. It, yeah, in this case I'll take Jay's, Joe's word for it because I And it was fixed her, in later editions, and, right? And yeah, and there's It's good she I believe it, it was like, fixed stuff like that in where editions, it's a book yeah. mistake, but people don't yeah. know it and then it turns into this huge theory discussion. Yeah, that's that terrible, is bad. Especially well, well, she 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 has said that she doesn't like yeah. theories. Well, that the Mark Evans ones were pointless, pointless though, which you know? is cool. I, like that that ticked me off very much, but I guess it ticked her off. Yeah, exactly. She 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 got she got her comeuppance by putting that. Mark Evans in there, and I think she she hated it as much as I did. So, and according to her, she's walking around in a uh, mustache now to avoid people swamping her. Because of that. Joe and a mustache, mistake. that would look funny, but don't send us photoshopped I- images. <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> 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 Alright, oh, next no. voicemail. Hey guys, my name is Drew. I'm calling from Utah. I'm 24 years old. Great show. Um, my question um, has to do with Charlie Weasley. I'm wondering what your thoughts are um, on him. He's barely mentioned in the books. He only appears, I believe, in Goblet of Fire in the Quidditch World Cup and Helping with Dragons in the Triwizard Tournament. I wonder if um, at this time of crisis and war, 
there's a reason why he isn't mentioned more at home. Um, since Bill is around all the time to help out, I wonder why Charlie isn't around. There could be nothing to this. I just wonder what you have to say. Thanks. Bye. Was was Charlie the one? No, Bill is the one with the long hair, right? We, well, Charlie is the one that has had, has yes, um, he's been involved with the dragons. I think they mentioned him in passing about um, him in a different country, didn't they? In, I think, um, book five. Am I wrong about that book? He Five was or six. Elsewhere, I. I don't remember, but I yeah, don't but, think it matters. Hey, I'm sure. I'm sure He's we'll see him. I think that has been yeah, part of I'm sure we'll see him, but I'm not sure how big of a role he. Yeah, is lately going to play. he's been almost as little mentioned as Percy, and you know, so. Yeah, but Percy is one of those characters yeah, that sits in the yeah. background. I think this um, is one of these characters who people think plays a big role, but really. He plays. He'll have something because another. They gave him Norbert brother. in the first book. They gave him Norbert, so he's been there. You know, since the beginning of the book, he's kind of yeah. been lingering in the background. But whether he'll come mainstream or not remains to be seen. Just like um, Aberforth, Aberforth Dumbledore. And one funny thing about Aberforth Dumbledore is, will she call him Dumbledore? Will she, or will she go throughout the whole book referencing him as Albert Aberforth, so that hopeful fans don't open the book and see Dumbledore's name and be like, oh my god, he's back. Yeah, that's which true. leads us that to, which leads us to our right. next voicemail about if Dumbledore will come back, like Gandalf. Well, first, first let's first let's take a listen. Hey, MuggleCast staff, this is Jasmine. Wanted to give you guys a ring and tell you I love the show. I think imagination has no age limit, and it makes me really glad to see people getting excited about it. Right, on to my question: Do you guys think that Dumbledore will be making some sort of Gandalf-esque reappearance in the forthcoming novel? Probably not, but just thought I'd get your opinion. Again, love the show. Keep up the good work. Cheers. I I I think I think at I think at most he's going to make an appearance in a portrait. Done. I don't I don't think he's going to be making. That's that's the biggest appearance I think he's gonna make. Okay. Oh, that's that's a really sad thought. I know, but I think he's going to play. You'll see him once more, and that I will think be so. It. And and maybe know, something like that. Uh, you right. know what? I Sorry. think it should end. I think it should end with Harry meeting Dumbledore in his office, and he can go, "Dumbledore, it's over," and Dumbledore can look right down at him and say, "That's uh, now you know why you have your scar, or something funnier, or you truly are deserving of your scar, or something." I think it'd be cool if the last word in the book was quoted by was a quote from Dumbledore. Because it opens up with Dumbledore. It would be a very circular thing. It opens up with Dumbledore, and that'd be cool. Hey guys, I'm Nathaniel Taylor from New York. Have we ever seen the portraits of the four founders of Hogwarts? I don't think so, and if not, why would J.K. leave this out? They gotta be the most important portraits, right? And they would give Harry some important info about the whereabouts of their heirlooms, if you know what I mean. Great show, guys. Thanks. I don't think that we. I don't think we've seen them. I mean, it's kind of apparent we haven't seen them. I don't think they really. I don't think it really matters that we haven't seen the portraits because there may not be portraits because they're the founders. Ben, aren't the? the hold on, you're hasty there. Okay, now aren't aren't the four founders more important than but, any headmistress? Eric, at least from a standpoint, there should be a portrait of one of them or each of them in in. Well, age. well, I would think that there would be but, at most three because of Slytherin. But wait a second. What what importance would these portraits be to us? Well, what could they tell anyone? No, no, because of I mean I'm about None. to say the forbidden word, but because of the Horcruxes, because we know that Voldemort might have some of the, the objects they had in their lifetime. 
But we discussed portraits, and we came to the conclusion that it's a personality. Well, anyway, I, I think it's it could be right. also a security threat or something. But Godric Gryffindor basically gave his hat so that everything could be done as uh, according to how the head heads uh, wished. So they don't really need to leave That's a portrait true. behind to kind of guide people at all, even if portraits couldn't do that. So and you know what? They might have. For all we know, there there could be portraits. They're just they might not be of importance. That's true. Now. They- have we seen have we seen a statue of Godric, haven't we? Like Salazar had the big thing in Chamber of Secrets, the movie, at least, I think. Was it in the books at all? The monkey? Yeah, it was. Yeah, the monkey face. So stuff of the founders is still, you know, kind of like replicas or statues could still exist and probably does. Yeah. Um we just haven't done it. Hey Mugglecast guys, this is Bree from Delaware. I really love your show. Alright. So since Joe said that Neville would play a bigger part in the last two books, and that she wouldn't introduce any more unimportant characters, and neither he nor Luna had a very big part in Half-Blood Prince, what do you think their role will be in Book 7? Do you think they'll be joining the trio and possibly Ginny too? And do you think one other person could help them, since there has been such a big emphasis on how magical the number 7 is? Thanks, guys. Wow. This person did their homework. Okay. Um, seven people, that's awesome. Okay. What I think it is, is last week, on episode 8, we kind of touched on uh, the lack of explanation. JK had said somewhere that there was going to be a big thing revealed about Lily in the books, and it really wasn't. Um, So I think this kind of has something to do with that as well, how she said that Luna and Neville will play bigger parts, and they didn't. I think it's just a matter of where she had to draw the line for what fits in book 6 and what's... What fits in book seven? I think that they're going to play because they didn't play that big a role this year. I think next year they're really going to play a lot larger role. And I think that there were probably certain things that she was originally going to put in this book, like the Lily thing and possibly more Neville and more Luna, that simply will be put then in, bo- in book seven instead. Yeah, I, book seven I also think that book. just the fact that she mentioned Neville and Luna, I believe she mentioned them keeping their coins. Just the fact that she mentioned that shows yeah. that she did not want the reader to l- lose focus on those characters. She wanted them to be pinpointed in so that you That's at true. least know That's... they're still around and there's still some hope of them helping in the fight against Voldemort. As for a seventh person, I... that'd be really cool. Laura, sorry. That's <laughs> all right. Um, I-, I think that Neville and Luna will definitely play larger roles in Book 7. I'm not totally convinced that... Um, Either of them or Ginny are going to suddenly morph into the trio and they're all going to become best friends. Because you look at the relationships that Harry, Ron, and Hermione developed over the past six years, and that's not something that you can just duplicate within a year or two. So I really think that, particularly at the end of Half-Blood Prince, we saw uh, Harry being thankful that he had one last, what was it, peaceful day on Earth with Ron and Hermione. Uh, I think that was definitely an indicator that there is going to be more emphasis still put on the trio. Um, I like that. Yeah, it's kind of like, well, one of the things is if Harry lets them in also. If he let Neville and Luna in, they could probably become really good friends, like even more than they are now. But I agree with you, there's like a primary and a secondary relationship between, you know, primary is the trio and then secondary is... Ginny and Neville and Luna and, and the, you know, some of the DA. What is... I'm just curious, guys. Do you know what comes after primary and secondary? <laughs> is there, like, tri- third dairy, triple dairy? S- somebody... I'm asking the fans right now. If you know, please send me an email at... at um, 
<laughs> at my at my email on the About Us page. All right, next voicemail. We got to keep rolling here. Hello, my name is Lindsay, and I subscribe to MuggleCast. I promise this isn't a book six question. However, in book six, Fred and George mentioned that the many Ministry wizards are unable to perform basic shield charms. Also, the Ministry's defensive magic pamphlets found in the Daily Prophet are described as being very inadequate. What do you think this says about magical standards, and what effects do you think this theme of the ignorance or ineptness of the wizarding world in general will have in Book 7? Do you believe this is an accurate portrayal of the average wizard's abilities, or merely the ineffectiveness of the Ministry of Magic? This is what I think. I think that just the fact, ju- just the fact that they emphasized that difficulty shows that there are people in the Ministry that are able to do advanced magic. There are. I agree. I think it's just like any community. You're going to have people who can't and people who can. Just that he's he. They were saying that the fact that they allow people into the ministry that are unable to perform some of these basic charms, you know, is pretty sad. Just a little. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's maybe a bunch of like semi squibs slash Peter Petty gurus. Well, Peter Peter's proving himself now. Okay, ignorance. My favorite topic to think about and ponder in the Harry Potter books, which means, yes, it will be a long response. So, people at home, make sure you have time to listen to this. All right. Now, ignorance. Dumbledore has said in the past, or rather, I believe it was the end of book five, where he says directly to Harry, it is now time for us to pay for our ignorance and for our mistreatment of other uh, races and and lo- and what we consider to be lower, like goblins and things. And so far, the goblins haven't rebelled. But Dumbledore had that that best line when he said that uh, that you know it's now time to pay for our ignorance and for our you know arrogance. And I think that is is one of the things that contributes. I think there's definitely an underlying theme of ignorance. Now, also, the pamphlets talking about how inadequate they are. I don't think they have to be adequate. If you recall, and I'm not sure that our audience, maybe we have some of you who are old enough to understand this, like Mr. Nelson himself, um, maybe, but the duck and cover video that they show, I, I, I heard of it in history class, but during the atomic bomb, um, age where we were all frightened for our lives. The American government came out with this video uh, called Duck and Cover, and I believe it was a pamphlet as well. And it's rather, looking at it now, it's rather a humorous uh, depiction of what we should do if an atom bomb drops. They just have a lot of people like running and, and jumping into walls and landing on their heads and covering themselves with picnic blankets. And so at the time, but that's the point. It's mediocre, but at the same time, the the uh, it it did work and it probably created a lot of protection because pamphlets and videos like that did exist. So I think not everybody would realize that. And I think the American government probably should have realized um, at the time that it didn't, wouldn't work. But no person would, and that's the point. And I'm gonna get like taken away or something by the government tonight. But I'm just saying the fact that pamphlets do exist, even if they're inadequate, not everybody realizes that, is that they're inadequate, and it's better than doing nothing. I think you know. So what so, he's saying is duck and cover. I, I'm saying I'm saying duck and cover. Yes, this is Eric Skull saying duck and cover. Um, but that's not all. I have one more thing I'd like to add. Yes. 
what were you what you were saying, Benjamin, about um, squibs joining the ministry and things, and how ours have to be? Or sorry, was that Kevin? Ours have to be. Okay, Kevin, you're a genius. Uh, how could I suspect Ben to come up with something that intelligent? <laughs> now, what Kevin was saying about the R's um, and how it's particularly difficult to become one, I think it's very important. If you realize 17 and people leave school at 17, people can graduate Hogwarts at 17, and they don't even have to stay that long. Fred and George left, you know, early. So, and they're prominent figures in the Wizard Society. Now, think of this. If you were 17, how many jobs can there possibly be for wizards? How many could there be? There can't be many office people besides the Ministry of Magic because they don't, they don't, you know, produce anything. There aren't like manufacturing plants, are there? Because they can do it for magic. They can just conjure up stuff. So it's really a question. How many jobs are there out for the wizarding people? And if it's hard to get them, then, then what do most wizards do when they're out of school? You know, so they're overage, they can do all this magic, but where do they put it? And even though we've seen, you know, a diversity like Bill does stuff for Gringotts and other people, but once you're 17, you can go out into the world. And unless you're an R or unless you work with dragons or like the specific very few branches of magic, what do you do? And and that's it. So, you know, what, what do you do when you when you graduate Hogwarts? What is there to do? You know, it it feels like there's a big void. Like there's just people going at. You know, it's it's, it's like a question that J.K.R. really hasn't answered. Like we've seen what lots of people do, but at the same time, that doesn't seem like that many jobs. Especially because they're definitely. Especially because they're I, ignorant of most Muggle technology. They're in, ignorant of most Muggle technology, so that they wouldn't be able to even copy and do their own Wizarding World. Um, but you would assume there was some amount of research, but at the same time you're right in the assumption that the Ministry of Magic doesn't have to hold all of the smartest people in the community. I mean, there's obviously going to be other jobs, so, you know, who's going to want to go for a desk job when you can uh, go out and see the world? Well, there's that too. I mean, if everybody wants to be, like, if everybody's goal is different, then are there that many jobs to accommodate? And stuff. Anyway, that was that was my spiel. Eric's Eric. You know what? That's what my section is. All this time we were saying that I should have a section. And I don't know what it is. Eric's spiel of the day. Hello, Mugglecast. My name is Ariel Verone from Israel, and I have to say I love your show very much. It's one. It's one of the only podcasts I listen to, and I think it's very good. So keep up the good work. I just wanted to ask you, what do you think of Crookshanks? Because I think. He's a bit too small to be a regular cat, and he also seems to have a very special relationship with Sirius Black. So, just wanted to hear your opinion. Bye. Okay, I'll answer it. I'll answer it. Um, I think nothing's up with Kirk Shanks. She's a measel. Next he! He! Ben! He! <laughs> How many times do I have to say it? I, Dude, oh. I went on that long spiel of the day about Lily Potter not being Kirk Shanks, because Kirk Shanks was a guy cat. Come on! Well, I don't listen to you. This is like the rest uh, of the religion. That is apparent, Ben. That is apparent. Okay. Your voice comes on there. Just tune it out. <laughs> there should be an edited... You know, there should be an abridged version of MogoCast without me and just see how short all the episodes are. Wait, I'm asking to be I mean, kicked out of MogoCast. So, okay. This episode right, no, will be seriously non-existent. Now. Seriously. Seriously now. Okay, anyway. Seriously now, please? Okay. Okay. Um, 
Is there anything more to Crookshanks? Okay, if you've read Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, you'll see that where it talks about measles, it states <laughs> it states that it is yes, it states that it is illegal to own one without a permit. And since it's been stated that Crookshanks is half diesel, uh, I think that particularly seeing the corruption within the Ministry of Magic, it could have something to do with uh, something that could happen to Hermione. She could get in trouble for it. So I think that is what's up with Crookshanks. I well, think that's that's interesting. Technically, would she only have to have half a permit? <laughs> ben, that's that's the funniest uh, thing you've ever said. Andrew, that, keep it in. Well, that was really clever. No, um, well, there's a lot of speculation t- as to why they are restricted. You know, which is it said something about them being very bad tempered, which I guess could lead to violence. But you know what? If it, I guess Mrs. Figs, Mrs. Figs cats, does she need to have a permit? Are they measles or are they animals? I don't think so. I think she's. I think they're just cats. Aww. Yeah. Mr. Tufty isn't a wizard, and he's not the Tofty guy that gave Harry the exam? Oh, man, my, my theory is crushed. Hi, my name is Adrian Flanders, and I listen to your show on the way to class at the University of Rochester. Okay, as we know, Peter Pettigrew is in debt to Harry Potter for saving his life in The Prisoner of Azkaban. In Goblet of Fire, Peter sacrifices his hand for the rebirth of Voldemort. Voldemort then creates a silver replica of a human hand that was described to be as bright as moonlight. Since silver is used to kill werewolves, and Peter's hand was described to be as bright as moonlight, could this mean that Peter might fulfill his debt by using his hand to save Harry from Lupin's werewolf form? I heard this as a plausibility for Wormtail killing Lupin in the future. I don't know what to believe. Um, my question is, can Voldemort control Wormtail's hand? Um, I, well... That's where my interest lies, but uh, silver and werewolves is a is a it should have hit a an exclamation point for some people or a light light bulb. So that's all I'm going to say. It was definitely it was definitely put there on purpose. Yeah, the plausibility. I, mean, I don't is think she. Exciting. I don't think she did that uh, without you know she definitely did that with reason. Just that whether or not it plays a part or she just wants to indicate like on subs on some subconscious level that Lupin will kill Wormtail. You mean you know, Wormtail you, you might kill Lupin, know. but you know what? A light bulb or vice versa. Yeah, a light bulb just just a connection, you know. Light bulb here, what if what if Wormtail kills uh, Greyback, Fenrir Greyback? I doubt that. Though. I doubt it too because but you know, we all doubt it. But if he is good in the end and or if he owes Harry something, he could also it doesn't have to be Lupin if I mean his hand is silver so it could kill any werewolf theoretically. Just, I was just throwing that out there. Next. Hey guys, I love the show. I think you're all extremely interesting and cool. But Andrew is my main man. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm only joking. No, you're not. Okay, on to the question. This question may upset certain people, and they have every right to ship whatever. However, J.K. Rowling has said that it is Ron and Hermione. And I was wondering if you guys had any thoughts on how we'll get together and when. Thank you. Well, first of all, um, Ron notices that he likes Hermione, and then Hermione notices that he that she likes Ron. <laughs> and then you know and what? Then, I think they no, might. No, 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 no. Then, then they're walking <laughs> down the hallway in Hogwarts, and Ron walks up to Hermione and says, Hermione, will you go to the ball with me? Or, Hermione, will uh, you go out with me, Hermione? And then Hermione says, Oh, yes, Ron, we will. And then when Dumbledore dies, we'll cuddle at his funeral. And then, yeah. 
What? Okay, that, I think it'll happen. happen. Bill, okay. No, Bill and Bill and Fleur's wedding. I think that uh, Harry and Hermione and Ron should hold hands. Hermione and Ron, and then they can, or the, she'll catch the bouquet or something. It'll be funny. Uh, Kevin, I don't really think it's going to be a huge part of the book. Obviously, it's I don't the biggest, think so either. Yeah, I mean, I think something's going to happen, but it's going to be very minimal. I think it's and going it's, to be one of those um, Harry gets it revealed to him closer to the end of the book. Yeah. Where he just happens to see them going to dinner or something like yeah. that and he sees him passing. I don't think she's I going to really make it a it's focus. Gonna have, it's not going to have a huge bearing on seven books. And it shouldn't because, I mean, the relationships are important, but at the we same time... We have the Horcree to worry about, dude. Exactly. <laughs> it's all about the Horcree. <laughs> Alright, so I think that just about wraps it up for this week's voicemails. Wow, guys, we... Um, we got a lot. Of I love. Yes. I love the. I'm exhausted. Yeah. My brain is. Numb. Yes, because you job, responded everyone. as much as Ben. Head um. on the backs. Now let's get back to our regular segments of Yay. the show. Let's start it off uh, with Spy on Sparts. Um, I'm looking on AIM right now. He's not on AIM, but uh, the latest reports coming in from our spies uh, tell me that he's uh, at Purdue. He's where? Yes, he's attending the Purdue Notre Dame game. That that's thrilling. Oh wait, did they? How win? is Notre Dame? Can we look that up real quick? Go Boilermakers! Purdue rules. I'm just saying that because I, um, just, like Notre I Dame. just like to point out that if Notre Dame does not win tonight, then Emerson will be very upset. Yes, he's so, if Notre Dame yeah. doesn't win. Muggle that is close. So all of your tissues <laughs> no, that you no, are he's going to send. Ben, Ben, can you tell? He's the going story? to be at the bar <laughs> drinking the night away. What? Can and you none of us will eye him for like a week. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. Notre Dame won 36 All right. Oh. In that case, send those tissues over great? to... So... <laughs> reserve those. No Irish. Reserve those tissues. <laughs> so now we won't hear <laughs> the Irish. end of it for a week. Yes. So now we won't hear <laughs> yeah, the end exactly. of it for a week. Either way. So I believe that concludes this week's edition of Spy on Sparts. My new segment, Andrew's Listener Challenge of the Week, is sweeping the Has nation. been met with tremendous, tremendous excitement. And response. This past week, I introduced everyone the first challenge, which was trying to find ways in your town to promote MuggleNet or MuggleCast. And boy, did we get a response! At first, I was worried because for the first two or three days, I didn't get any. That's because they were out on their towns posting. I got precisely. I got a big response. I posted thirty images in our image gallery of different ones. They're so creative. Some people hung up big pictures of me. Some people took use their huge. This one girl used her huge uh, uh, window overlooking Chicago to promote MuggleCast. I almost told Dylan to uh, go down there and check it out until um, uh, she had to take it down an hour and a half later because her roommates were upset. <laughs> but all these are in the gallery. You can check them out in the show notes over at MuggleCast.com. Guys, are we done? I need to run out, so let's... Are you interrupting me? Seriously. Uh, I don't care. You interrupting yeah, Eric interrupts everyone. Why can't, if Seriously. you do it, why keep can't Keep going. Joke? Just keep going. Is this a joke? <laughs> so, this week's <laughs> listener challenge, I've been thinking really, really hard about this all week. And honestly, I don't Therefore, know. we're continuing so over. this week's it's... listener challenge is for you to give me a listener challenge. 
send those to challenge at staff.logonet.com. I was, I, I, I really could. You're gonna get a thousand it. emails that say, "I command you to stand on one foot." <laughs> 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 no, I need, I need challenges that send the fans out to do stuff. So send your ideas, and then, <laughs> and then I'll be using them. Okay, so I think that wraps up episode 9 of MuggleCast. Uh, once again, everyone, if you have an email, comment, question, suggestion, send them to mugglecast.staff.mugglenet.com or make it easier on us and use our feedback form at mugglecast.com. Uh, full show notes can be also found if you're using your iPod. Just give your uh, iPod three or four clicks in the center and the new show notes will show up. Or go to mugglecast.com, then click on episodes. That's about it. Once again, I'm Andrew Sims. I am the Ben Shane, your favorite Kansan. I am Kevin Steck. I am I am Eric Skull. And I'm Laura Thompson. Oh, one last thing. I'd also like to I'd also like to plug my fan my official fan site and thank them and everyone. No, saying, shut up. No, covered all this. Shut up! Shut up, Ben! Have a good night, everyone.